episode 27 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. This is your host, Trevor Sheridan of AppAdvice.com, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net. Join us this week as we see the lion's share of App Store releases to try to calculate the beat forever. How are you doing today, Brett? I'm doing pretty good. It was a, a nice mix of games this week, So, uh, and I know there's already a ton of stuff on tap for next week, so it just never stops. There's always stuff to be playing. Yep, and... There's not the most Apple news right now. This past weekend was D23, the Disney conference, and there's not the most Apple or iOS stuff when you're talking Star Wars, Marvel, and everything Disney, but that means there's more time for apps. And the first one is Scene AI, which comes from Microsoft, and it's subtitled Camera for the Blind, and it's essentially designed to allow you to point your iPhone at pretty much anything, and it should be able to speak what the camera sees. So this is like beta kind of image recognition idea. And it can be simple as a, a string of text, full text document, people that you've categorized in the system, or a scene. So it can just be as simple as reading out a document, or more complex, like it can identify books on a bookshelf or a laptop open on a computer. Yeah, you and I were kind of fooling around with this and trying it out. Obviously, neither of us need this app, but I, I was curious just to see how well it actually did detecting scenes or detecting pictures. So I just brought up pictures on my laptop screen, aimed it at it, and it did a fairly decent job. Sometimes it was a little off, but it did a fairly decent job of detecting that it was a scene with like a sheep in it or people looking at a camera waiting for a photo or it did a pretty good job of detecting exactly what was happening in that scene and giving you an a, like an audio description of this so that you don't if you can't see it's telling you what it's seeing in front of it and it it was pretty impressive for for just a free app that it was able to do it. I mean, the processing time did take a it varied depending on what it was processing and trying to figure out, but it was a neat tool to have. Yeah, the processing time is definitely there. And then you want to make sure that you frame up your item relatively well. So if you're taking a person, you want it to have that built in. If you're taking a scene, you don't want to have too many distracting objects. If you're looking for a string of text, you want to make sure that there's text that is easily read and not you know different kinds of fonts that may be tough but it does a remarkable job for various things that you throw at it it was surprising how well it did work yeah i mean with those caveats though <clears throat> you wonder how useful it really is going to be to a completely blind person because it's not like you're going to be able to frame the scene up perfectly so yeah. It, it seems like it's more appropriate for a low vision or someone who has trouble. Maybe they have ha cataracts or something and can't see very well, it, it, but they can still kind of make out shapes. It seems like it's more aimed towards that market than someone who's completely blind. But uh, still, I, I suppose if you were completely blind, you could probably get some use out of this. You'd also probably have all of the the tools turned on on the phone that tells you what you're clicking and where you're tapping so that you'll be able to even navigate the app. But uh, it is pretty impressive what they're able to do. Yeah, one kind of, I mean, I know it would take more, but it would be neat if it was video-based rather than, 
you have to pretty much take a screenshot or a photo to recognize a scene or a person rather than just, you know, moving your camera around. If you were a blind person, you probably wouldn't, like you said, wouldn't be able to frame things up perfectly. So if you're just like kind of swipe or, you know, panning your phone around, it could recognize things as you're doing that. Well, I think it did do that for the short text. There's yeah, the a short, short text, text option. And as you're just panning around, I think it starts trying to read what it's seeing. But if you really want to process something, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It needs to go out, send this data to something because it's not doing it all on the phone and that th their servers are the ones trying to figure out what's going on in that scene or whatever. So unless they moved it all on board, which it would have to be a much larger app, then you're always kind of going to have to be stuck with this sending out the data to have it processed. I mean, that's the way Siri works, too. It sends out the data and then comes back. So I, I don't know that they can do much about that. But, yeah, it would be nicer if it was more real time. Yep. So that's seen AI, Talking Camera for the Blind. It's free. It's universal. Or maybe it's iPhone only. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's iPhone only or universal. Uh, one other thing that under the app category that I just want to mention uh, before we move on to games is Tokaboka, which we've talked about in a number of their apps. They just launched a whole exclusive line of clothing and bedding that you can get at Target stores now. I just placed an order last night. My girls are super excited about this stuff. So if you have kids or if uh, if your kids are into Tokaboka then or grandkids, whatever, uh, definitely check out the clothes. It's pretty inexpensive, surprisingly, for licensed stuff. And there's a lot of cute things that I'm sure your kids go nuts over. And that's worth mentioning. And now we can transition to some new games. And it's worth noting that this week Telltale released Minecraft Story Mode Season 2, which builds upon what they've already done with Season 1. And it's kind of interesting because that whole story that they set up, it was originally planned to be five episodes, but they made a three additional episodes, and now they've created a whole season two. So they have a lot of stories to tell within that idea, but that same kind of cinematic point-and-click adventure combination that Telltale is known for continues. It's not going to break the mold or reinvent the wheel. It's just more of something that maybe you're familiar with and have already enjoyed. Yeah, my my daughter and I loved this first season of the uh, Minecraft story mode. So this is definitely one I'm going to be checking out. I haven't had a chance to yet, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see more of that because it was definitely one that you could enjoy with a family. But if you are like a huge Telltale fan, one other thing that's going on right now is Telltale has a humble bundle going on. I mean, this is only for PC and Mac users. But you can get a whole pile, probably like 10 to 15 games, if you you can pay what you want and get a smaller number of games. But if you spend $15, you get insane number of games and you're getting all the episodes in these games as well. And so definitely if you like to play these on your PC or Mac as well, you should check out the Humble Bundle because it's insane the number of games that are given away for only 15 bucks. Another good thing worth noting and so we'll start off this week with the Lion Song, which I got to see at GDC 2015. So it's been a long time coming. It's been on other platforms. It's made the transition to iOS. And the game is mainly about telling a story with relatively hands-off kind of interactive ideas. And it's all set back in like the turn of the century kind of period time, mainly in Europe. It starts in Vienna, Austria. 
And the first episode, that's a four-episode game, the first one focuses on a woman who's current student learning, kind of building her repertoire as she tries to write score sheets and various composing music ideas. But she has kind of a writer's block, so she goes out into a cabin in the woods to try to kind of get rid of distractions and figure it out. And to help her figure it out, you're going to kind of experiment with the scene. You drag your finger to see possible tapping points, and those could possibly trigger some different compositions that she could come up with. And you have a deadline because your teacher and sort of love interest has this kind of putting you on this big stage within a week. So you need to come up with some music by then. Yeah, this is originally when you look at it, it looks like it's going to be more of a point and click adventure, but it definitely seems more like you're kind of just selecting dialogue and you're you're panning on tap points to drive this the drive the story forward. You're never really like for the most part picking up items and solving puzzles. There is a tiny a little bit of that, but it seems like it's more of a just like a narrative tale and the decisions you're making within the episode then have effects on things in the other episodes in the entire app. So there's four total episodes and you'll see some overlap as you go between the different episodes. You'll see characters mentioned from previous episodes and it's a totally different character for each one of the episodes. So like in the second episode, you're following this painter who's uh growing up and he's trying to decide on what he's going to paint and it's the second episode is definitely a larger experience there's more locations to move to the one thing i did notice with the interface is it seems like it was designed for larger screens first because there's this weird thing where you have to almost pinch and zoom in order to see all the various touch points or have them big enough that you're going to tap on the right spot in certain, especially in the first episode, you notice it more. And it was just felt a little weird and kludgy, but uh, the story itself was kind of interesting. It's all this like sepia toned uh, artwork to kind of like set the mood of this like, oldish tale that you're you're involved in so there were aspects of it i liked but other aspects i i kind of were a little bit of a disappointment to me yeah and keep in mind that it's not really a game it's more like an interactive kind of storybook than it is like a true game experience but they do a really good job of making it as immersive as possible just because they're so much they go into setting this the scene the theme and the storyline as well as then presenting the backstory of each of the characters in the four different episodes. So you actually kind of care about their fate and their current position in life. Yeah, I mean, for as far as the decisions go, like I don't I didn't go back and replay an episode to see if it really how much it really changed because we've seen this in like the telltale games where you can make the various decisions and you see the little note like he'll remember that and all the, and that but this one i didn't go back to try to redo it but one nice thing that they do do is at the end of the episode all those various decisions you had to make it kind of gives you this breakdown of the various decisions and then it tells you what percentage of people did the same thing as you so somehow they're keeping track of uh, all the i assume across all platforms 
how people are deciding to progress through the story. So you can kind of see, did I take the same path as everyone else or did I make a different decision than most people did? So I found that kind of interesting to at least have that data point to see how you compare and see that everyone is doing things slightly differently than you and maybe not everyone's getting the exact same experience through the game. Yeah, it would be nice kind of if it made it more distinct when the characters do make decisions they're going to have a lasting impact like they do in the Telltale game. Right, yeah, I agree. Yeah, right now I haven't felt that incentive. I want to replay to see if the decisions matter because I never knew of a key decision that could play out differently. Right, right, yeah. You don't really know that this is going to be a forking point where I think in the Telltale games it's much more obvious that something you just did is going to have a long-term effect. Yep, and that's the Lions song. It's four ninety nine, and it's universal. And then there's Resynth, which is a music-based rhythm game, but it feels like the music portion is kind of the backdrop to the core game, which is kind of like a block-sliding puzzle game as you send your little cube or square along the grid, and your goal is to push different objects into position. So you might push one little node into an orange section so that way when the beat comes across it's going to play that note it's kind of like those beat synthesizer apps but you're putting everything into place through this puzzle format but you're not actually creating music the developer went and created all these different tracks that you get to listen to once you fully solve a puzzle but it's not like you're going to create different tracks based on how you solve the solution. It's not like when me and you play the same level, we're going to come up with different songs. We're all reaching that same point just through a puzzle format. Right, yeah. It it follows that very familiar moving blocks, and then you have to do it in certain order. Otherwise, you can, you can end up blocking yourself out from being able to move certain blocks, and you have to restart. So it has that familiar puzzle feel. It's really the music is the thing that makes this game different and special because it almost gives you another cue that you're making progress on the game. So as you're going through the level and pushing these things into place, the song gets more and more complex. It starts to build up and you definitely have that nice feedback of the music changing and you feel like you're making an impact on the puzzle. So instead of just having like a percentage done or something, you can tell just by that musical composition getting more like more and more interesting as you go that you're getting closer and closer to finishing that puzzle. Yes, you have the visual cues as well, but it's nice to have that audio to go along with it and just give you even more incentive to want to complete the level and figure it out and finish it so that you get that full musical number at the end of the at the end of the level. The tracks are definitely a nice reward because they're really well done. Once you actually piece everything together, it's you know you it gives you a few seconds when the level's complete, so you can kind of just listen to it. And then unless you tap the screen, you're not going to advance to the next level, so you can kind of get into the beat of it. And then, like you said, you can kind of hear it develop as you're going. So at the start of a level, you're not really making any noise at all, and then you move one thing into place and then you move another thing into place and you can hear the melody become more complex as the level proceeds until you finally reach that endpoint. and every level is pretty big on terms of the grid scale of all the pieces you're going to have to move into place so it's going to take 
a while and there's 72 included levels so it's a pretty deluxe puzzle package that just offers kind of the music like you said as an, an as incentive to kind of keep going from level to level yeah and the levels do get complex pretty quickly like because they're so spread out you really have to almost do a lot of pre-planning to figure out how you're going to move it so you don't block yourself out from being able to finish it. So they do a nice job of really ramping things up relatively quickly so you never get bored, and it's always challenging. Yep, and so that's recent. That's $1.99, and it's universal. And then there's Calculator the Game, which comes from the makers of Four Thrones, which that was a kind of simple, minimalistic take on a solitaire game this is a simple kind of minimalistic take on a math game where you're given the classic calculator interface and you're usually just given a few buttons and you need to use those buttons to get the target number on the calculator so you might have four moves and you need to get to 102 and you have a times three button a plus five button and a divide by five button and you have to use them in the proper order combined together within four moves to get that target score and then as you go you're going to be introduced to new calculator functions like you might delete one number or you can reset the screen and various calculator functions yeah and don't let like the cuteness of that little calculator guy like fool you because this is a tough game i'm up to like 100 level 102 or 104 at this point but some of these levels are super challenging and what you end up doing is i love math so i think if you hate math you're probably not going to enjoy this game (laughs) i'll get that right out of the way but i love math i love math puzzles and the way this thing because you have this and like a just a different set of buttons each time you're going to have to figure it's a little puzzle you have to figure out and so you might see that you have four moves well some of the puzzles you'll be able to just work them in order and if you make a correct guess right at the beginning of what you need to do right away you can figure it out other ones you'll end up working your way backwards so you'll you'll know wait a minute i have this sum up all the digits i i think that's probably going to be the last step i need to do let me figure out how I can get a number that's going to work out to that when I sum up all the digits of that number, it's going to give me the target number. So you start working your way backward from the end instead. And it, you, and then some, somehow you end up putting it all together and you have that aha moment. It feels so good when you solve it. Other ones, you'll just randomly just tap some buttons because you get frustrated because you haven't figured it out yet. And somehow you'll end up with a number. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I know I if I can get that number one step earlier, I can solve this thing. So it's I I it's a really cute and inventive game, and it's definitely a nice challenge if you like to puzzle things out with math. Yeah, once you do get that solution, it definitely is a super rewarding experience. You're like, finally, I figured it out. Once you get into <laughs> like, you know, past level fifty or so, and you have those extra buttons where you have to delete a column over or you reverse the order it makes it really tough to figure out the proper order of operation so there can be a lot of trial and error but once you have that target score and kind of can figure out how you have multiples of six and three on the board or if you have divided by five you can figure out different multiples to get to that target score and how you might end up getting there you can make your way kind of drilling it down slowly but surely to figure that solution out yeah and in they just the little touches in the game like there's this little 
a guy who keeps on coming in and talking to you, the calculator guy. And then they even have like a little solar panel on the screen that if you put your finger over it, it will turn the calculator off. It dims and then turns off. And so it's nice, these nice little touches that they put in there that you don't need that in there, but they put it in there and it's fun and just to have that little thing in there. So I am just really impressed. This was this came out of nowhere and I was instantly hooked on it. It's always nice to add personality to a puzzle game, especially when the puzzles can get a little frustrating. But just, you know, the charm added to it will give you the incentive to keep going from level to level. And there's a ton of levels to play through that have a ton of variety. And that's Calculator the Game. It's free and it's universal. And so that brings us to the final game this week, which is Star Vikings Forever. And this game is really high on the personality scale of setting up the world of these star vikings and then that allows you to dive into this full-on kind of strategy experience it's built as a puzzle rpg but it's more kind of strategic turn-based action as you think of positioning your star viking to deal with various kind of alien enemies and then as you go from level to level those enemies are going to have different traits that you need to take advantage either from your close quarter combat attack or your ranged attack Right, yeah. So basically what you are is you're these Star Vikings and you are fighting against uh, a team of space snails that are, are evil. And the, the gameplay just takes place across um, like a set of a set of rows and you're you're sending each of your guys down a row. And along those rows, there's going to be any number of these snails of different types. Some, when you hit them, they'll bite in front of them. Some of them, when you hit them, they'll explode and hit each enemy on either side of them or other ones uh, have. And then some of them have more health than others. And then there's also pots and things that you can hit, which get you gold when they break open. And then there's other traps as well, where if you hit them, they'll fire in the direction they're facing and take out whatever is in front of them and then blow up. And so you have to plan your moves of how you're going to navigate down these columns. So you have one guy who has a ranged weapon where he can shoot uh, up to three of these little bombs and take one hit on any of the any enemy on the board that he wants. Then your other guy is a big brute who has a lot more health, and he is able to twice on his way down. This is before you buff anyone. He can move any object that's in front of him or basically touching him. He can move him to another row or column uh, to get him out of the way. Or he might be on the row above it. He could push it down even one more row down below him. And so you kind of have to almost plan everything out and before you start moving your characters so that they'll be able to survive their path through each of these screens. Your goal in the the various levels changes. So sometimes you'll just need to kill X number of enemies. You'll need to pick up X amount of gold or survive five screens worth of enemies or something to that effect. So you're always going to have different things you're going for and that'll change the way you approach it because maybe if you only need to kill x number of enemies you don't care if some of your guys take a little damage or one of your guys dies because you still have the other guy to move and take the rest of them out that you need to so you're constantly having to change the way you're thinking based on whatever your ha your goal happens to be but overall it's more of a you go into level and you just kind of look at everything plan it and then execute 
It's an interesting mix because it kind of has a plants versus zombies just over our overarching kind of feel where you have this lane-based setup, but rather than the alien snails coming towards you, they're all kind of sitting there waiting for you to decide what you're going to do. So you have that turn-based idea rather than real-time strategy just with that familiar lane-based setup, and then each Viking kind of has his own lane to take care of. Like you said, you can have, you know, splash damage as well as different attacks that can lead to different columns or rows, but you mainly have a Viking to take on specific rows and columns, and you need to use each of the different character classes of your different Vikings properly in each row. Yeah, I'd say overall the game definitely trends toward the easy side because you can plan ahead so much, and you do those special moves that each character has they refuse so they take energy so they start out where the guy who can throw the the bombs to take out anything on the screen he can do it three times and your big brute can do his move two times there's other characters that i believe get introduced later in the game as well but every time you move to a new screen those energies get re the they're all refilled so you have all those moves all over again and then as you progress to later levels within the game they introduce this thing called like a backpack and every 12 squares that you move on the board the backpack gives you a random item well you're constantly getting moving and getting items that it makes it even easier in those levels because there's things like to protect you from the next hit or the next time you hit something, you're going to be able to do two damage instead of one damage. So they're very useful tools, almost too useful that you can easily accomplish your goal because they're pretty free-flowing with these extra tools, not to mention that you can buff your characters and get upgrade points and upgrade their base health or their strength or other aspects of them to make it easier as you progress through the levels. I haven't made it super far in the game so far but so far for the decent amount that i played it definitely feels like it trends toward the easy side yeah definitely it's not the most complex strategy game but again it fits with that plants vs zombies idea where it makes it more accessible for a strategy game and so the turn-based aspect might make it a bit too easy but I guess it just depends how tough you want your turn-based strategy game to be. Right. I, well, I think this also addresses the thing that people, some people don't like about Plants vs. Zombies, which is that stress of having them constantly moving forward, where this one allows you to take a more zen-like approach and step back and be more tactical, plan it out, and then make your moves at your own pace and you're not worried about things moving forward or things coming to attack you. So I think it's it definitely will appeal to some people that don't like the the constant motion of the the enemy within like a game like Plants vs. Zombies. Yep, and that's Star Vikings Forever. It's two ninety nine and it's universal and I think that's everything for episode twenty seven. Yeah, that's all I got. Brett, thanks for joining me and to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.